Trevor, we're clear. friends and welcome to this week's episode of the florida project the podcast where disney fans celebrate walt disney world if you like disney and you like podcasts you'll probably like the florida project my name is will things are right with the world again across from me is jason hello will i'm not sitting in a wrong seat like i was last week if last week's podcast wasn't good that was all due to the different seating arrangements and next to both of us is michael hello if this week's podcast isn't good it's because michael's wasted not yet. <laughs> After. If you'd like to support the show, get access to some awesome bonus content, and hang out with us on our Patreon-exclusive Slack channel, become one of our Patreon saints at patreon.com slash podcast. All of our Patreon saints get access to two additional shows, TFP Extra, Extra. and Disney Classics. <laughs> Each week on TFP Extra, Extra, we keep the podcast train rolling with more zany fun, the airing of grievances... Or grievances, and a topic that may or may not be Disney related. On the monthly Disney Classic series, we watch and discuss each of Disney's animated classic films. Our latest episode is all about Robin Hood and available now for our Patreon Saints. Our next one will be Mulan. Additional levels and rewards are on the Patreon site, so go sign up at patreon.com slash TFP Podcast today and get more of the Florida Project. In today's episode, we'll discuss some nonsense and small topics. Michael will give us the latest news. I will take us on a trip down Main Tweet USA. And then we'll discuss and ask, what's up with Flight of the Navigator? All of that and more is coming up on this week's episode of The Florida Project. It's a small topic. After all, it's a small topic. After all, it's a small topic. After all, it's a small Small topics. All right. Our first small topic comes from a listener, Jason Goodchild. While I have you, this was in an email. <laughs> uh, would love f- uh, for you to ask on small topics a question about our upcoming twins. What Disney names would you give twin boys? We already have a daughter named Indiana after our good friend at Hollywood Studios. So we have to stay on theme. Disney, Marvel, Star Wars. We are stuck. Thank you. I had a couple of Marvel thoughts. Okay. Uh, Steve and, uh, what's Bucky's name? Uh, Bucky. James. James. James Bucky. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's a good one. And the other one would have been Steve and Tony. You know, they had their differences. Don't do Tony. You can call him Anthony. No, don't. Tony's a fine name. We need to bring it back. It's a fine name, but don't name your child after that, Tony. How dare you? He gave his life for the universe, spoiler. Yeah, but he also caused much of everything that happened. No, no, no. That, that, see, that's because like, of his hubris. That's like blaming Batman for every Bat villain. You can't do that. That's not fair. His hubris. No. Mm-mm. I was thinking Chip and Dale. Mm-hmm. All right. That's good. You don't hear many Dales anymore. Yeah. I don't. Do you still hear Chips? Every once in a while. I feel like it's a Southern yeah. name that goes around. Or a nickname, you know, chip off the old block. Mm. I like it. I mean, you could do Han and Luke, but it's a little on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have a friend whose kid's name is Lando, and it's a pretty good name. I mean, you could always do uh, Huey and Dewey or Dewey and Louie and Huey and Louie. But again, those 
Those names are third for those, I think. I know, yeah, I agree. Um, we didn't do one. Uh, let's see. There's Star Wars, Marvel. Well, if they have um, a daughter named Indiana, they could keep it in the Indiana Jones universe, and you could have uh, what was it Baylock or something? What was the guy? Who's Baylock? <laughs> Who was the bad guy in Raiders of the Lost? No, Daughter, whose face melted? I would allow Henry Jones <laughs> Senior. <laughs> That's actually the name. <laughs> Be funny. Henry Jones Senior, a good child, presumably. I think that would be funny. Yeah. Or or Mutt, Mutt. There you go. <laughs> you know, or Sala. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. What's that horse in uh, Tangled? Oh. Maximus. Yeah. Okay. Sven and Maximus. Uh, that's Sven, though. I mean, you, you got to have some Sven and Max. Norwegian in your your bloodline there, at least. Yeah. What about Sven and Kristoff? Yeah. It's hard to pull off Sven. I'll just say that. Yeah. You better be a big kid. And blonde. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I think a small Southeast Asian child <laughs> named Sven. Sven would be awesome. I mean, that's fine. I, you know. <laughs> All right. Small topic number two. Would you rather live in Pee Wee's Playhouse or Roger Rabbit's Toontown? Uh Correction, that's not what it says on the show notes. It's Robert. Rabbit. Robert Rabbit. <laughs> I want to know who Robert is. Sorry, that was me. I want to know who Robert Rabbit is. Robert. It's the French version of Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Where's a smoking jacket? I, they're, they're both be so loud. Just so, so loud. So loud. That secret word. Yeah. At Pee Wee's Playhouse alone. And the chairs don't. Yeah, Pee Wee's Playhouse chairs. The most annoying, I think. Yeah. I feel like with Toontown, it's. It's got to be it's a coffee vast. shop somewhere. Yeah, it's right? vast. Like you go, but Pee Wee's Playhouse is literally a, a set. Yeah, but the at the coffee shop, your coffee is going to drink you, or it's going <laughs> to. <Yeah. laughs> you sip it, and it all pours all mm-hmm. all over your lap. As Yo, long as it's Sam, not the, get mad. <laughs> what was the the ink stuff? The eraser stuff from uh, the, the nothing. The nope. dip, the was a dip. dip. The uh, nothing was much more disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, as long as it's not the dip. Yeah, yeah. I guess Toontown because it's bigger. Both of them would be terrible. Yeah. All right, and finally, if you could have any job at NASA, what would you choose? I mean, I, I want to be. A, I want to go to space. Yeah, you'd be an yeah. astronaut. Yeah, I wouldn't be an astronaut. I'd love to go to space. I'd for, love to go to space for like a day or two. And then I'd have enough of it. I want to go to a real bathroom, eat real food. I'd like to be one of those people who's really excited about what's coming back from that James Webb telescope. Like, if I was an, I don't know, an astronomy nerd, yeah, and really loved that, and then, you know, did all this work to get that satellite up there or to get that telescope up there, and then, you know, all your hard work works out and you're getting cool stuff, I'd like to be that guy or on that team. Yeah, very satisfying. Yeah, same here. I want to work at one of those like VLA facilities. I don't know if NASA's involved. Very large array of the giant um, satellite dishes. Mm-hmm. The same reason. You just want listen, to sit and listen. Yeah, listen for um, for contact <laughs> extraterrestrial life. I don't know something. Yeah, something land based. My second choice would be a mission control somewhere, but yeah. like way down on the list. Yeah, snacks. Go, go. <laughs> well, you could be a good Gene. What's his name? Krantz. Yeah, you'd make a good. I don't want to be a flight director. That's too much pressure there. Yeah, what would the dumb departments be? Snacks. Oh yeah, lavatories. 
No go, buddy. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go. I'll give you a go. Laugh, no go. One's only. <laughs> bathroom. <laughs> I did see a YouTube video the other day that was like, we've all wondered, how do they exactly go to the bathroom in space? And showed pictures of like the actual stuff. At Cape Kennedy, they have it. Yeah. And you could do it. You can you can't yeah, do it. You can you sit can on see it. it. You yeah. can sit on it. I don't want to sit on it. I'm good. It involves suction, if you're wondering. Mm. And a hose, right? Yeah. Well, that's it for small topics. <laughs> and a funnel. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Those are some great small topics. And other Jason. Oh, yeah. It looks more like a cup than a funnel, I think. If I recall correctly. Really, it looks like a flight mask from Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> News. Here are three news items to discuss this week about Walt Disney World. Number one, Disney's Enchantment Fireworks Show becomes even more enchanted. Walt Disney World has debuted an updated version of the Magic Kingdom nighttime fireworks show, Disney Enchantment, possibly based on guest feedback following the show's original debut last October. Ever since the show began as part of the resort's 50th anniversary celebration, the show has had a lackluster response, mainly in how it is all about Disney and Pixar movies and not the parks. In response, Disney has tapped Walt to bring some nostalgia to the centerpiece of Walt Disney World's 50th celebration. The updated show features new projections, with Walt Disney introducing the Florida Project. Hey! Hey, that's us! us. And other archive clips, including Walt Disney World's dedication ceremony with Roy Disney. The updated introduction ends with Mickey Mouse telling guests, you are the magic. Beyond the new introduction, the remainder of the show remains essentially the same as it did on its September 30th, 2021 debut. However, some firework timings have been adjusted to integrate with the new introduction. And uh, if you can't see it in person, mm. it's on YouTube, so you can check it out. It's not like a pre-show, though. It's no, part it's, of the show, yeah, right? Yeah, it's part of the show. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I watched it on YouTube the other night. What did it's you good, think? Good, it's good. I like it. It was a good addition. Although I wasn't like hating on the previous version. Also, when I was reading these articles this morning, um, I appreciate the way you worded this because most of the articles were like, because everyone hated Enchantment. I'm like, that's not. Yeah. yeah, what I got from this was the nothing related to the old Enchantment was the fact that the Disney is listening to the guests. So they responded with the thing. I think the number one thing, if you heard complaints about Enchantment, it was the fact that the parks weren't represented at all. Yeah. And um, yeah. what a coincidence. They made a change. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. Like, I think that's a valid complaint that the 50th anniversary show doesn't mention the 50th anniversary at any point. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Can't say that anymore. Yeah. Also, Happily Ever After was fine. Just saying. They're all good. They're all good. Yeah. Reach out and find your it's a good happily song. ever after. Number two, Walt Disney World Passholder merchandise becomes even more enchanted. So Disney has announced some new passholder discounts for both resorts and merchandise for a limited time this fall. On the hotel front, the discounted rate gives up to 25% discount on rooms and is available for most Walt Disney Resort hotels for stays October 23rd through December 25th, 2022. And on the merchandise front, Disney will also temporarily increase merchandise discounts for passholders. Starting September 14th through October 14th, 2022, Walt Disney World annual pass holders will receive a 30% discount at all Disney-owned and operated locations across the theme parks, resorts, and Disney Springs. A pass holder must present a valid annual pass and valid photo identification prior to purchase to receive any applicable benefits and discounts. 
And as usual, there are some exceptions for places. Uh, uh, like I said, it's um, just for places owned and operated by Walt Disney uh, World. So some of the restaurants and shops, like in Epcot's World Showcase, they're yeah. owned by um, other companies, and so the discounts don't apply there. Well, that's cool. And, we'll, you said we'll miss this? Yeah. Yeah, we come right after the it ends. And interestingly, Disney notes that the discount is for personal use only and may not be used to pur- purchase merchandise with the intent to resell. I wonder why they would say that. <laughs> that's weird. Like, it, just enforce the limits. If that's what you want to do. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care. I'm all for the resellers, honestly. Truth be told. I hate them. All I'll ever think about is that lady I saw on that picture that day with 28,000 Brer Rabbits under her arms. (laughs) Like, you're an idiot. I wonder what she's... I would like an update on her. She's the to- she hoarded the toilet paper too. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm fine with the resale if it's like one or two extra ones to sell. But yeah, when you come in with the garbage bag and buy all the stuff out so other people can't yep. buy it. I don't know. I don't think that's nice. But I don't know why Disney cares. I mean they're selling it either way. Yeah. But another pass holder perk is returning this fall, which is another Walt Disney World pass holder magnet. And unlike recent magnets, which have been only available for pickup at Disney Springs or most recently Epcot, this next magnet will be delivered directly to pass holders' homes. I like that. Make sure that your contact details are correct in the My Profile settings in the My Disney Experience app. And no word on what this particular magnet will look like, or at least if there is, I didn't see it yet. But it'll probably look similar to the last one with Mickey and Minnie and like the, I think it's a big D. And number three, a Walt Disney World buffet and water park become even more enchanted. What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm intrigued. I'm listening. Another Disney restaurant is returning to its pre-COVID state. Buffet dining will return to Tusker House at Disney's Animal Kingdom this fall. Mm. Since its late June 2022 reopening, guests have been served family-style entrees inspired by the flavors of Africa. And this will change effective November 1st, 2022, seeing a return to the pre-pandemic buffet style. Buffet. Also, according to WW Magic, it is looking increasingly likely that Disney's, that Disney's Blizzard Beach water park will reopen in late October. They state that, quote, the latest Walt Disney World operating calendar only lists Typhoon Lagoon hours through October 29th, 2022, with hours for all other parks released through November 5th. A reopening of Blizzard Beach on October 30th would likely see Typhoon Lagoon then close for its annual refurbishment. No! Blizzard Beach is currently being refurbished, including slide replacement at the Family Team Boat Springs Raft Ride and a slide conveyor belt lift at the Runaway Rapid Slide. Disney's water parks have been significantly impacted by the pandemic closure in 2020, with only one water park operating at a time since reopening. Disney's Blizzard Beach reopened on March 7, 2021, welcoming guests back after a near-year-long closure due to the pandemic. Though Blizzard Beach later closed on January 3rd, 2022, with Disney's Typhoon Lagoon Water Park reopening after almost two-year closure due to the COVID pandemic. Note that Disney has not yet confirmed either the closure of Typhoon Lagoon or the opening of Blizzard Beach. But it seems like they're alternating which ones are running at a time currently. I wonder if they, I guess they probably switched the staff, like, over? Maybe. Maybe. That makes sense, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Got to be tough on the wardrobe, though. You know, parkas yeah. to... Shorts and whatnot. Yeah. Rain slickers. Mm -hmm. What's also tough is that this is the end of news. That was Mm. some good news, Michael. At least if you're a news aficionado. (laughs) Okay.
推。All right, this week Main Tweet USA is taking all of us to D23, <laughs> even、yeah. if you don't have a ticket. It's nice. Two weeks away. So D23, the official Disney fan club, has just announced its live stream schedule for the D23 Expo 22 event. 22. What does that mean? 2022.、Oh. 2020. That's the year, Will. <laughs> It's too many.、They're, the numbers are too similar. Have you been Flight of the Navigator? Maybe. I don't know. I, will, I guess we'll have to find out through the course of this episode.、Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's happening in two weeks, September 9th through 11th.、Um, of most interest to park fans and myself is the presentation by Disney Parks Experiences and Products Chairman Josh DeMauro, which will be live streamed at 10 30 a.m. Pacific on Sunday, September 11th. Oh, cool. I will tune in. In the 90 minute long A Boundless Future Disney Parks Experiences and Products, join Disney Parks Experiences and Products Chairman Josh DeMauro for a look at Disney's Boundless Future with announcements and updates on the magic happening around the world in parks, on the high seas, at home, and beyond. Attendees will get a behind the scenes look at the big dreams of Disney Imagineers. Every Disney fan will want to be a part of this special presentation full of exciting news and surprises. Have they live streamed the parks panel before? Maybe. But I get it confused with when we watched that upfront last year or the year before、yeah. or something,、yeah. too, which had like all of a sudden a ton of news and nobody expected it. Yeah. This is probably wrong, but I feel like they haven't. I feel like this is the first time. Yeah. This but, reminds me more of like, the Star Wars Celebration live stream、yeah. where they have something going all the time, but they're clearly not showing everything. Right.、Um, so they have the,、um, uh, the schedule out there if you'd like to find it. And I just took a couple out that I thought were interesting.、Uh, they're going to do the Disney Legends Award ceremony, they're going to stream that one. Uh, Disney and Marvel Games Showcase, Disney's Epic Entertainment Showcase, colon, the musical, colon, the extravaganza. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but、nice. I want to watch it. And then I'm really interested in the Walt Disney Imagineering 70 Years of Making the Impossible, comma, possible、mm. panel. That'll be good too. And like, you know, just like the Star Wars Celebration live stream, they'll, in between、uh, when they show the panels, they'll have like, you know, little interviews and, you know, show some of the vendors around and interview other people. So it'll be cool. Where can you find it? Disney fans can watch D23 Expo live at d23expo.com slash live, d23.com, and on all D23 social platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Not currently on MySpace. I f- feel like they missed an opportunity here with no Disney Plus. Yeah, I agree. But it is like, you know, kind of, it'd be longer than anything they've ever done live, too.、Um, so maybe they just don't want to mess with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Star Wars thing is always, is, they use YouTube for it because you, know, you can just stream all day on YouTube and it'll be pretty robust. So, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Yeah, I think we should、uh, podcast after it later that day. We'll see. And talk about all the new stuff. Maybe we'll live stream it and chat about it with our Patreon Saints. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun too. Or maybe we'll do none of that. Who knows? It's two weeks. We can't see the future. It's true. And that's it for Main Tweet USA. Thanks, Will. That was a great trip down Main Tweet USA. Today's topic What's up with Flight of the Navigator? Is that how you say it? Is that right? Yeah. Right, that's good. So, we took another trip to the end of the Disney Plus vault this week.、Uh, As we've done before, we nominated films and we did a vote for our, for our Patreon Saints. And the winner was Flight of the Navigator,、mm-hmm. which I didn't think was going to happen. I didn't either. I was surprised.、Uh, I also nominated Tron 
Uh, and I think it should have won. Yeah. Personally, I nominated Flight of the Navigator. It did. Yeah. And it won. Yeah. So if we're keeping score, that's one for me. I also nominated Rogue One because I thought it would go nicely into Andor in a few weeks as well. But no, Flight of the Navigator won. Yeah, I nominated Enchantment because of the upcoming Disenchanted. Mm-hmm. No, not Enchantment. Enchanted. Enchanted, yeah. <laughs> for the upcoming Disenchanted mm-hmm. tie-in and the Rocketeer. Um, all of them are tied for second place. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So maybe maybe we, we have too many. <laughs> maybe we, next time we should just do one nominee each. Sadly, George of the Jungle. Um, no votes. No, no votes, votes this time. Never seen it. So that's the one we should have done instead, actually. Just, I think just for that, Brendan Fraser. That would have been or funny. Was that Brendan Fraser? Yeah. Nobody yep. voted for it, so that's the one we're doing because you guys are jerks. <laughs> Nobody could even give it a pity vote. It's yeah. opposite day here at the Florida Project. You oh, can yeah. vote, but we're not telling you which one we're <laughs> picking from the Most vote. or least. Yes. You may vote. <laughs> All right. So Flight of the Navigator did win, so let's talk about it. Uh, Flight of the Navigator is a 1986. Wait, we need to do a spoiler alert. No, we don't. If you are worried about getting spoiled, he was from dead this the whole time. Thirty-year-old movie, forty. How old is this? Not forty. Uh, Thirty-five. Eighty-six. So almost 36. forty. Thirty-six. Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight yeah. years. Nope. Thirty. No. Thirty. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm, I can. Hey no. Siri, what's twenty twenty-two minus nineteen eighty-six? Uh, Thirty-six. It's negative 69,000. <laughs> okay. 36-year-old <laughs> movie. Yeah. Also, I spoiled the ending of a three-year-old movie like 20 minutes ago. So What? Uh, Iron Man. No, Endgame. Oh. So there we go. Well, Endgame had a much higher box office than... You don't know that till we get to the ever. box office here. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. I'm just guessing. It did. That is a good guess. (laughs) Flight of the Navigator was a 1986 American science fiction adventure film directed by Randall Kleiser and written by Mark H. Baker, Michael Burton, and Matt McManus. Always good when you have multiple uh, writers on a very simple film. Mm -hmm. It stars Joey Kramer as David Freeman, a 12-year-old boy who is abducted by an alien spaceship and transported from 1978 to 1986. It features an early film appearance by Sarah Jessica Parker as Carolyn McAdams, a key character who befriends David in a time of need. I always like these stupid plots. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a real plot synopsis, because I have one of those in a minute, but just the, the bare bones of a plot. And there's a robot. There's an 80s robot in there it. There is an 80s robot in it. Uh, uncredited. <laughs> <laughs> The film's producers initially sent the project to Walt Disney Pictures in 1984, but the studio was unable to approve it, and it was sent to Producers Sales Organization, which made a deal with Disney to distribute it in the United States. It was partially shot in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and Norway, being a co-production with Norwegian company Viking Film. Huh. If this is ever a tax write-off movie, I mean, that's just how these things went. I wonder which parts were filmed in Norway. Yeah. I don't know. The indoor part? Because the Fort Lauderdale, the Florida parts all looked like Florida. Yeah. It was probably everything in the spaceship. Yeah. Maybe that um, cow that when he went and visited the yeah. cows. <laughs> yeah. The film is notable for being one of the first Hollywood films to use extensive CGI effects. Specifically, it was the first use of image-based lighting and an early use of morphing in a motion picture. What's an image-based lighting? How do I know? I think it was, I think they're referring to, um, you could see the reflections of stuff in the spaceship when it was flying. Uh. 
It is also known to be one of the first Hollywood productions to feature an entirely electronic music film score composed using a Synclavier, <laughs> one of the first digital multi-track recorders and samplers. This movie was ahead of its time, apparently. It really was. Oh, and the whole thing was ahead of its time because yeah. it was eight-year time travel, too. Yeah. Eight years after this movie came out, all that stuff would uh, be old hat. Old hat. Some of it would be obsolete, even. Indeed. Including the movie, probably. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The film has since become a cult classic and has a large following among science fiction and Disney fans. In September 2017, Walt Disney Pictures announced that a reboot of the film is in the works, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Maybe I did. Here's a little bit longer plot synopsis. The Disney adventure tells the story of a 12-year-old David, played by Joey Kramer, who lives with his family in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. When he awakens from being accidentally knocked out in the forest near his home, as every kid was in the 80s, apparently, (laughs) he finds that eight years have passed. His family is overjoyed to have him back, but just as perplexed as uh, he is by the fact that he hasn't aged. When a NASA scientist, played by Howard Hessman of uh, Head of the Class fame, (laughs) discovers a UFO nearby, David gets the chance to unravel the mystery and recover the life he lost. Mm. Mm, Sounds great. It was great. Oh, those woods may have been Norway because they did not look anything like the woods in Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because there was a hill. There, were, Yeah, there was a giant drop drop off and yeah, it didn't look like No Florida. gators. Yeah. Yeah. Kid would have been eaten by a gator yeah. immediately. And he had a jacket on probably too. Probably. He would have been sweating to death. Well, no, the Floridians <laughs> wear jackets if it's below 85 degrees. Yeah, that's true. So. All right, well, we'll go over the cast really quickly, but there's not a lot to say uh, except for a couple of notables. Uh, Joey Kramer was David Freeman. A piece of trivia I saw is that apparently back then, a lot of people uh, mistook him for the kid from E.T. Henry Thomas, yes. Henry. Oh. But he is, not, he is not him. Yeah, there was a third kid actor around in the 80s that was also very much like the other two. There was a, a that period of 80s yeah. movie kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of this guy? Paul Rubens was the voice of Max... Yeah, when he went crazy later on is the first time you really, I was like, is that Pee Wee Herman? It's Pee Wee Herman. There's a little Pee Wee Hermans that started popping in there. Um, I wonder if Robin Williams was up for this. I didn't see anything about that. Yeah, it feels very Robin Williams-y. I did look for a lot of trivia this morning, and there's not a ton. Um, but yeah. And I meant to look this up earlier, but where do I know Veronica Cartwright from? That's she was it. an alien. alien. That's it. She was also in the original Lost in Space as a little girl. Oh, okay. Veronica Cartwright was Helen Freeman, uh, David's mother. Cliff DeYoung as Bill Freeman, his father. You may know him from an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Okay. Which one? I don't remember. Okay. Uh, Vortex. Maybe. He, he does know. look like matter. <laughs> sort of generic 80s dad, too. Yep. Like, I feel like I've seen him in yeah, the Yeah, he's been a lot of stuff. The aforementioned Sarah Jessica Parker as Carolyn McAdams. Looks exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Matt Adler is Jeff Freeman, the older version of the little brother. And Albie Whitaker as, excuse me. Yeah, Albie Whitaker as Jeff Freeman uh, as eight-year-old Jeff. He looked a lot younger than eight-year-old. He did. Maybe he was malnourished. Maybe. He was the Randy character from... Christmas story. Yeah. yeah. And Howard Hessman of uh, head of the class and WKRP in Cincinnati as Dr. Lewis Faraday. 
Michael enjoyed the name Faraday. Yeah, because yeah. there was time travel and stuff and yeah. science and. Isn't there a Faraday Faraday paradox or isn't that what it is? It's a Faraday. Yeah, something. Something. I don't know. I don't it's remember. something. We're not, we're not scientists, but it it, it uh, vaguely rang a bell. And <laughs> a me. Faraday cage. Yep. That yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. The filmmakers held auditions for the role of David Freeman, and several actors auditioned, including Joaquin Phoenix and Chris O'Donnell. So there you go. That's all I had. Didn't on that Space the... Camp come out the same year? That means Joaquin Phoenix was probably pretty big at the time. I think it was 1986. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. It was right around there. Yeah. Maybe he didn't want to go to Norway. Maybe, but they probably filmed Space Camp in Australia, the United Kingdom, and yeah, Alabama or something. Definitely Alabama, and they played it for Florida because yeah. suddenly they were at Cape Canaveral like yeah. a minute later from Space Camp. Yeah. Well, the arguably well, that Space Camp was in Florida. Yeah, right? and storyline wise, if that Space Camp was in Florida. Yeah, but Space Camp isn't in Florida. No. Yeah, no. Uh, like we talked about, there were actually some visual effects innovations in this movie that were pretty groundbreaking. And you wouldn't, like, it doesn't get any um, credit for that, mostly. Mm-mm. It was released at the dawn of 3D animation technology. The film was the world's first 35-millimeter feature uh, to use environment mapping, creating the illusion of a chrome object occupying a live-action frame, considered by many to hold up to today's standards. The CG shots were produced by Omnibus Graphics, one of the first computer animation companies responsible for most of the classic advertising 3D animation of the 80s. I think it was the director's cousin or brother or something that worked there. Yeah. So that's, that's that how that worked That did out. look good. It did. Like, yeah. it looked really good for that time period. I mean, you could have put that in 96 and I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. pretty good. The morphing was the, mm-hmm. the good part. The steps? That too. What morphing? Uh, when it changed from one like, shape oh, to another. Oh, yeah. It yeah, got yeah. like a beak. Yeah. Yeah. It became more aerodynamic. Mm. And the steps, too. To they cut did. through our atmosphere. Mm-hmm. CGI was not used to depict the suspended steps leading into the ship. <laughs> the effect of the door liquefying to form them was achieved through stop-motion animation by creating a series of metallic sculptures for every frame of the animation, which sounds exhausting. They appeared to support David's weight with a simple optical illusion. They were man- mounted on thin beams, which were angled in such a way that they themselves hid the beams from the camera's lens. This arrangement even allowed for slight camera movement, as it can be seen the first time he climbed them. Also know that when he presses on the middle one, they all move slightly. So I, I, no- I did notice that the other night. I noticed they moved, but I didn't catch that all of them moved at the same time. Uh, it's like the floating mountains in Pandora. It's mm. um, in Animal Kingdom. It's They're not really floating. <gasps> Spoilers. How dare you? That's not Disney magic. It is Disney magic, but they don't actually have magic to do that. No. You have to go over for Universal for that. Yeah. They got the spells. What, to watch it on a TV? They have it on those spells. I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's what I was saying. The two full-scale spaceship hulls used in most of the shots throughout the film, one with an open entrance, the other sealed, were constructed out of thin, curved sheets of wood over a metal framework and finished with primer and reflective paint. One of the hulls underwent refurbishment and is currently used as the cool ship in Tomorrowland at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. Oh. I assume it's still there? I don't know. Yeah. I've noticed it before. And the other hall was visible on the studio backlot tour at Disney's Hollywood Studios, but its current status is unknown. So if anybody knows where the other one is, let us know. I uh, probably went back in time. Oh, good good call. Back to when it was of more important. Yeah, import. Import. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. So before we get to the reception and any trivia and stuff, let's let's talk about the movie a little bit. I want to say something right now. I was really apprehensive about watching this because I thought it would be utter trash. Yep. <clears throat> kind of enjoyed it. Like it it got me in all the feels. I remembered a lot of the little lines that were not real big lines, but just like that I had seen a thousand times in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Still liked it. The acting wasn't great, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I had I don't I've never seen it, I don't think. Um I Which is shocking to me. I've seen a little bit of it. Like I, I've but it may just be clips that you see in other things mm-hmm. because I had no idea it was about him like losing his memory or losing time or whatever. Like I had no idea any of that stuff. Um <clears throat> I really enjoyed it. Like I really thought it was good. It was a good little sci-fi movie, it was a good little Disney movie, it was a good uh adventure. Good family movie. A little bit of Spielbergy in it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it was just a good eighties movie. It used that Spielberg, you know, template. Yeah. Eighties Spielberg. Right. Nineties Spielberg got a little sadder. I love the concept of them film. Like the the whole lose like losing time, like stuff like that just fascinates me. And you come home and like the rest of your life. Yeah. People you know have like age and it's like mm-hmm. a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um like I love that aspect of it. The rest of it. I wasn't the hugest fan of, but I like the mystery about it and the ship and stuff. Well, this yeah. is why I'm very curious about a remake because I think this that's a really good area to like dive into again. You know, like what happened in eight years while you were gone and like yeah. the actual that was more interesting to me than the the like the going into the spaceship and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't like the. I didn't like that they took him to a facility and the parents were okay with that. Why didn't the parents just go with him to the facility? Yeah, like, that's not how it was done back then. I know, Michael. just stuff like that. Just kind of. They took were all the same it. reason they were like, you. You think you see your friends three hundred miles yards away in the woods back there? All right, get out of the car. We'll see you later. <laughs> right. And they yeah. just let the youngest child just run free. Yeah, it was. Is he not back by nine p.m. or yeah. whatever? All right, send the other child to go find him <laughs> in send the woods. Send him with the dog. <laughs> you know, the dog will protect him. Yeah, eighties parenting, <laughs> and then eighties movie parenting. They got it done. The whole thing. I, mean, I the um, this like we talked about the CGI was I I, I was shocked that it's the the film was garbage <laughs> like the actual <laughs> film grain and everything. Yeah. It needs to be cleaned uh, yeah. up, but the CGI looked pretty good. I mean, you could get away with that like 10 years later, like I said before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little, the like computer graphics of the star maps and stuff like that. That's fine. That was, that definitely stayed at that level for a long time. You could turn this into a horror movie pretty quickly, too, if you wanted to. If you wanted to make this an edgy sci fi film, it really, like, what's stuck in his head and, you know, we got to get it out of there. And yeah. Like Event Horizon? I've never seen Event Horizon. Oh, you should see Event Horizon. If you want to see a horror science fiction film. I don't know that I want to. Oh, I saw that in the theater, I think. Yeah. Wasn't there something with Event Horizon that it got killed in the box office or something? Because something By The Abyss? Something, where it was just like, nobody ever heard of this movie, even though it was good, because it yeah. was with Jurassic Park or something. I think it something. was after The Abyss. But, but it was something. I yeah. saw I, I saw a Reddit post about that this week. It's making a comeback, apparently, because it's now been in its current longer form, I guess. Mm. I guess it had been hacked up for the box office, too. This film was also snappy at like an hour and 20 minutes or so. But you're right. It could use a, a remastering. Yeah. Did uh, did they erase his memory? Why didn't he know what happened? I guess. Yeah, I would. I think they did mention that, like, you know, because he was gone for. Well, it was only like two hours, too. 
Yeah. yeah. I think he was just knocked out for two hours. It but was then two he was solar gone. Hours. Well, it was four solar hours, right? Yeah, it was something they, like that. It was time dilation was why he was gone like eight years. Because they went to Phelan and back, and it was like four hours. So, you know, he was probably just had the concussion for but four But was hours. he awake during that time? I don't think so. Like, for he, those eight years. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't... Well, it was only like four hours for him. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Do we need to go back and explain time dilation? Again? <laughs> no, I'll just watch that. What was that movie? In, something. In, um, Interstellar? Star Wars. No. It is Interstellar. No. Okay. But yeah, there it Pie? is. Pi? Huh? Pi? Life of Pi. I feel yeah. like there's something more recent. That there. Probably. It's like a TV show or something. Yeah, I mean, they tried to... For children. There was something for children where they were explaining time dilation. What was that? It is very recent. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to think about this. Okay. Well, we're going to keep going on this. Yeah, go for it. Um, I also, you know, the the addition of Pee Wee Herman in there was pretty cool, too. Oh, it was Lightyear. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't see Lightyear still. Yeah. I'm going to watch it eventually. Maybe that's why I liked it more than most people. Because uh, anything involving, like, time stuff, I tend to... Yeah. Uh, it appeals to me more. So would you say the acting in Lightyear was better than uh, in Flight of the Navigator? Sadly, yes, I would. You but know... There was no Pee Wee Herman. As I understand it. Yeah, there was also no poor man's Henry Thomas. Oh, that poor kid did his best. <laughs> I know, it's not his fault, but You're mean. he was not believable as he, a kid. <laughs> the parents were... I, again, the story was really interesting to me. Like, <laughs> but he was a kid. <laughs> I just mean, the way he was like reacting and stuff, I just... I'm not trying to be mean. But no, it wasn't his fault. It was yeah. just the way it was written, and I'm sure the way they heard, told him to act. Like, and you could argue he was better than a little eight-year-old Anakin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. it's probably pretty close. But for every of, Kirsten Dunst, there are a thousand Anakin Skywalkers. <laughs> right. Poor Jake Lloyd. Yeah. He was good in that Christmas movie, actually, when he was younger. Jingle the one, All the Way. Jingle All the Way. That's a good Christmas movie that nobody talks about enough. I haven't seen that one. It's good. Um, any other thoughts about the film? I enjoyed it. I mean, it's the the bad thing is like these are more fun when they're bad, and we can just like say how bad Rag they are them. or how great they are. Mm-hmm. But this is a good middle of the road, fun little eighties family adventure. I mean, I just really the, liked it. Definitely better than some of the other ones we've done for the What's Up for sure. Series. So when they snatched the boy and sent him to uh, NASA, they put him in this child's room that they had set up. Do you think that is a standing child's <laughs> right. room? Do you think NASA is kidnapping lots of children? It had a lot of cool toys. It did. Time. And there was a list of them I found this morning too, but it was not that interesting. <laughs> but it had like a speaking spell and some they listed the G.I. Joe's and you gotta have a speaking spell. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't That's know. That's the easiest like if you want to make a movie about the eighties, just put a speaking spell in there and you're like, all right, I know exactly what time period Got we're it. In. Nailed it. Yeah, there was a lot about this movie that you could tell they were trying to evoke E.T. a lot. Yeah. Um, when was E.T.? 82? Yeah. Were you done with that sentence? Oh, <laughs> I guess my only other criticism of the movie was I felt like it didn't have a plot. It had a great plot. It had like the mystery stuff. Yeah. But then it was just like he goes on this adventure with the, the ship like to reclaim, give him the star map or whatever. And then he comes back and it's all like solved. But it just seemed like a... We could have just wrapped that up. Why do you need the star map? <laughs> the ship needed the star map. It hit the oh, because it, it hit, hit the, the power light thing and the, lost the yeah. memory. So he had to re-download it from David's memory, which I don't know why it was in David's memory anyway. But like, I don't remember that part. He's the navigator. That's why I think he was awake during the adventure. I don't think so. I don't know. He was. It was only four hours. They knocked him out. 
Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know. Oh, I did like the little Muppet things, the little creatures. Oh, yeah, they were pretty cool. That was of a and that too. horrible NASA hat. <laughs> so those horrible <laughs> 80s hats that are just garbage. It might as well. Remember those hats that had like the little rope around the like the front too? There was, there, there was yeah. like, oh, yeah. yeah. It looked like one of those. Like those are a lot of, like you see a lot of veterans' hats have that rope on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, so this actually was in recent, uh, they, if you're an NFL season ticket holder, you're spending a ton of money. Uh-huh. And like, I forget what team it was. They sent like this nice thing that you opened it and it has all your tickets. There was even almost illuminated and stuff. And the Cleveland Browns sent one with one of those looking hats just <laughs> stuffed in an envelope. I'm like, yeah, that's about right. That's what it reminded me of the other night. They don't got money for light up boxes. No, 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 no. Whenever I hear Cleveland Browns, I think of Cleveland Brown, the, oh, yeah. the character <laughs> in the show. My name is Cleveland Brown. Just shockingly fun movie. Like, yeah. I, you know, I was, it was just one of those 80s movies that I could recite by heart back then. Yeah. It's still good. Still fun. And it, there was parts of it that I remembered, um, like the, the feeling of scenes. There was like the scene where he's going to NASA for the first time. And he like senses something from like this warehouse that's over there, and that's where yeah. the ship is being held. And for some reason, I remember that that because it was so creepy to me, like oh, yeah. you know, that scene. And, and still, Paul Rubin's voice too. Yeah, I could hear it a lot better in the Disney Plus version, <laughs> like those voices, like the Field of Dreams voice, than I could in the old VHS yeah. taped off the Disney Channel or whatever. Which is probably how most people saw this movie, you know, back then. Yeah. So, all right, let's see how the world liked it. It was released on August 1st, 1986, so big summer movie, with a budget of $9 million, which had to go all to the the, the effects, I would assume. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, it had a box office total of $18 million. Doubled. Well, that's good. That's well, a success good. right there. Yeah. Shockingly, there wasn't a sequel, actually. I think that's how much one episode of Game of Thrones costs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what did Glibberman think? <laughs> the film received mainly positive reviews. Oh, good. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a rating of 84% based on 31 reviews with an average rating of 6.6 out of 10. That is a $24 million budget in today's money. Still, yeah. really low. The consensus read, bolstered by impressive special effects and a charming performance from its young star, Flight of the Navigator holds up as a solidly entertaining bit of family-friendly sci-fi. That's how I would describe it. Michael may think a little differently due to the uh, the family. What is the performance of its young star? Yeah, he wasn't realistic as a kid to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. He's eight. He didn't pull it off. No, nope. <laughs> don't buy it. But I don't blame him. Again, I blame the writing. <laughs> I buy that those uh, Stranger Things kids are eight more yeah. than that kid being eight. Twenty-seven years yeah. old. Yeah. Kevin Thomas of the Los Angeles Times said the film's biggest plus was it's entirely believable, normal American family. I, I can get that. The, the yeah, kids were fighting uh, yeah. with each other. Yeah. The New York Times described it as definitely a film most children can enjoy. <laughs> People declared it out of this world fun, which again, they're mailing it in there. A film most children can enjoy. That's the most. That is, that is New York Times. Right generic, there. passive aggressive. <laughs> Empire gave it three out of five stars, saying it was well-made enough to keep the family happy, but it certainly won't challenge them. Variety was more critical, announcing that instead of creating an eye-opening panorama, Flight of the Navigator looks through the small end of the telescope. Oh, remember when he had that telescope and he was creeping on that girl in the lake? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. (laughs) And then the dad came in and looked through it, too. And went, (laughs) (laughs) 
So that's good parenting right there. All right. Again, not believable as a kid or a human. We're not. Gonna, we're not. We're gonna. That was the believable American family. I'm not talking about this. No, he did. He gave him the sex talk right after that, but not in depth. He was like, "So you like her? <laughs> Ask her out." Right, how about a little bit of trivia? Yeah. It was Paul Rubin's idea to make the identity of the actor providing the voice of Max a mystery, and he was credited as Paul Mall. Isn't that, isn't that a brand of cigarettes? I believe so. Huh. Okay. Director Randall Kleiser brought in his brother Jeff as the visual effects supervisor who oversaw the use of the reflection mapping software to create the ship's chrome-like appearance. The result was one of the first successful examples of what would later be known as CGI, a full five years before the groundbreaking T-1000 of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And I'm going to need Michael to say his uh, line about the T-1000. The T-1000, I'll try to reacquire you there. <laughs> It is the first involvement of Paul Rubens acting for Disney. A month after this film's release, he continued to perform as Pee Wee Herman for the Saturday morning children's program, Pee Wee's Playhouse. And that aired on CBS. So pre-Playhouse, I wouldn't have picked that. Oh. Oh. The girl at the gas station wore an Epcot Center t-shirt. Epcot was a brand new theme park (laughs) in Florida at the time, having opened four years earlier. And her brother wears a Miami Vice shirt and said series debuted two years earlier. I didn't notice the Epcot shirt. I didn't either. And now, (laughs) this is my favorite thing of the entire episode. In her Random Roles interview with the AV Club in 2018, Sarah Jessica Parker had little recollection of or affection for the film. (laughs) When she was asked what drew her to fly to the Navigator, she replied, what drew me to fly to the... Are you seriously asking me what drew me to fly to the Navigator? It was a part. Like, literally, I just got a part. I went and did it. That's what I did for most of my career. Nothing drew me to it. I can't. It was a job. That's exactly a paycheck. That's exactly what drew me to it. I can't even tell you what it was about or who I played. You know, all you want is a job. You're auditioning. You want to have as much experience as possible. You know, it was great. (laughs) Loved it. Passion project of mine. Mm -hmm. She probably didn't remember being in the movie. Probably not. All right, and finally, there is a remake happening. In May 2009, The Hollywood Reporter reported that Disney was readying a remake of the film. Brad Copeland was writing the script, and Mandeville partners David Hoberman and Todd Lieberman would serve as producers. In November 2012, Disney hired Safety Not Guaranteed's director Colin Trevorrow and writer-producer Derek Connolly to rewrite the script. In September of 2017, Walt Disney Pictures announced that a reboot of the film is in pre-production with Joe Henderson from TV's Lucifer writing the script. Shortly after the Lionsgate Henson announcement, which I don't know what was that was, in November of the same year, Neil Blomkamp tweeted that, Cat, that Oates Studio had become a, <laughs> developing a reboot as its first feature film. Well, none of that is no longer that, none of that is accurate anymore. Because the latest news we had, and I remember when we talked about this last year, mm-hmm. in September of 2021, it was announced that the remake was back in development with Bryce Dallas Howard set to direct and will feature a female protagonist, and it will be released on Disney+, Plus, which makes a lot more sense. They should yeah. see if uh, Sarah Jessica Parker wants to be in it as like the mom. <laughs> oh, I bet she'll cameo. <laughs> well, that... It, that's or probably, that kid, but nobody will know. Yeah. That's probably how they got her to do Hocus Pocus 2. She was like, only if you remake Flight of the Navigator. Yeah. And I don't have to be in it. <laughs> and that's it for Flight of the Navigator. Any final thoughts? No, it was good. I'm glad we watched it. 
Yeah, yeah I'm, I am too. I'm looking forward to our next What's Up With. Uh, I hope it's as successful as this one. It's going to be Twitches, right? Or Huck. I mean, if we don't do one in September. Hocus too. We may do one in September. We'll see. We got a full September. We got oh, Labor yeah. Day, which is a bye week. We got uh, D23 Parks. Yep. We're finally going to talk about all the Marvel stuff after D23. September's packed. Jam-packed. We got a lot to do. Football special. Going to be a big day. Big, yep. big month. If you're going to have a big September, you can uh, follow us along on tfppodcast.com where you can find the episodes now and nothing else, right? Yes, that yes. is correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us on Instagram at reddit at slash tfppodcast or Twitter at tfp underscore podcast. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, we have some pretty awesome t-shirts over at shop.tfppodcast.com. There could be a new Flight of the Navigator t-shirt over there. There won't be, but there could be. I could don't be. Know. You never know what's going to happen. I bet there's a Flight of the Navigator t-shirt on T-Public. Yeah, yeah, but we don't get any money you for that. like a wanted so, sign with a little ship inside because they don't know where it is. Mm. Like, you know, lost and found. Yeah. And we have some exclusive Patreon-only content that's available to you if you support the show on patreon.com slash podcast. Quick note, like Jason just mentioned, we will be off next week for Labor Day, uh, even though he spelled it with the English pronunciation, English spelling with a U. So everybody enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Labor Day. That's all I got. Anything else? No. Nope. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. I don't remember the last eight years. Oh, and if Joey Kramer is listening, I hope I didn't offend you that I didn't think you were believable as a human. Oh, what if Joey Kramer is a (laughs) super fan of the Florida Project? I always hope there is a a celebrity of some sort listening and they don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, If you're a celebrity, let us know. We won't tell anyone. You know what? Don't. I don't want to know. I want to know. I want to find out accidentally one time. And um, I will let us know. I want you to let us know, and uh, I will tell everyone. Yeah, that's the problem. So there's you no pick way who you're gonna tell. Will who doesn't want to know. Michael who does want to know but won't tell anybody. Well, me who to. will blow up your spot. I will feel guilty about not telling it, and I just want to do. It. It'll slip out at some point. Michael will have like have to try to edit it out every episode. <laughs> uh, so on Big Brother this season, I guess somebody read somewhere that Rihanna watches Big Brother. And so literally every episode, the house guests are like shouting out Rihanna. That's hey, exactly Rihanna. that's exactly what would happen. Yep. Every episode. I love it. Michael would have to just stop us. Okay, enough. Enough about Rihanna. Nope. Nope. She, she would love this. Michael. You know what, Rihanna, if you're listening, thanks for listening. See you real soon. <laughs>